Hello, everyone, and welcome to the cast of Call, where we talk all things related to the Dark Tower series by Stephen King. I'm your co-host, Rachel, and joining me is the other half of my quartet, the one and only DJ. Do you feel hyped? Uh, you know, just regular <laughs> amount of excitement today. Uh. Do I need to get like a reverb on this? Will that uh, up your hypedness? I mean, like, like start <laughs> utilizing <laughs> stereo <laughs> and go Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> exactly. That's the energy I'm trying to bring today. <laughs> yeah, that's my vibe. It's been a long week, as I was telling you. So, like, this is this is the fun thing I get to do this week. <laughs> So I'm just like trying to bring that positivity, but I um I may be a little bit of a work grump, but I uh, we'll get through this. We'll get through this. Well, on a positive note, uh, I received something special in the mail. What did you receive? Um, so the highly anticipated uh, Steam Deck uh, showed up. Oh, and what and, are you gonna do with that? Um, well, I had planned on just putting it on eBay and turning a five hundred dollar profit on. It. <laughs> Entrepreneur, hustler, DJ. Then I started playing with it, and I'm like, "Ooh, this is pretty nice." So, um, turns out now I, my new regular go to PC for playing video <laughs> games is the Steam Deck on the couch. Very nice. Oh, I I feel like maybe. Andy might have done a pre-order of one of those. Oh, then you might uh, might have one coming. Uh, keep an eye out yeah. on your Steam account to find out what quarter you're in. Okay, I will definitely let that him might know. be like something to to, to make him feel a little bit better. I mean, because you know, sometimes we'll play like multiplayer with our friends, and we like only one of us can play at a time, unless it's something that'll play on it, like on Nvidia on a Mac. But if we have the Steam Deck. Uh, yeah, uh, the there's special sauce. Up. It, it runs on Linux, but um, I've been throwing, you know, about 40 of my 380 bloat games of Steam <laughs> content at it and, like, been having pretty decent success. Um, I'm so guilty of hoarding games that I never play on Steam. Yeah, you know, every time they do that, like, weird humble bundle for yep, whatever thing. That's and you're how like, it happens. Oh, 82 games. Well, okay. And then you get a bunch of games that you never even would have looked at otherwise. And then they just, like, <laughs> yeah. sit there staring yep. at you like, yep, this one I want to play. I don't even know what this one's about. It has five stars, but what does that mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I just end up playing Phasmophobia again. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vampire Survivor has been my latest. Oh, like, you're a part of the Vampire Survivor cult, huh? Oh, yeah. Well, it's nice when, like, you know you're video game ends in 28 minutes and 14 seconds that is true because i definitely am guilty of being like i'm gonna play for a half hour and then i'm like what do you mean it's thursday yep exactly <laughs> and so like danny's yeah. like well i'm getting ready okay i can throw this on relax with like a under 30 minute accounting and then she's putting her shoes on and i'm putting my shoes on and we can get the heck out of dodge i love that oh, vampire survival strengthening marriages everywhere <laughs> <laughs> All right, so plan for this episode. We're going to kick off the show with an in-depth conversation about Wolves of the Call Part 2, Telling Tales, Chapter 2, Dry Twist. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Before we get into that, DJ, please let anybody who is new around here know what our spoiler policy is. Uh, well, our spoiler policy is not unlike Roland's spoiler policy, where oh, um, when we introduce two older people together and we let them know what's going on, we call that a dry twist. that's like a whole new meaning to this chapter now great (laughs) 
when that scene happened, I was like, try twist. That's that's hilarious. Like, I don't know if that was like the intent, but uh, my my grandma used to say static cling. So like, I thought, oh, was, my God, oh, my God, I've never heard that before. She said, uh, you know, Grandpa and I are, are pretty old. Um, we, we don't really get busy anymore, but when you rub together, there's a bit of a static cling. <laughs> oh, my God. Your grandma sounds amazing. Like, Grandma, shh. People can hear you. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh... <laughs> yeah, good luck cutting that out, Beverly. <laughs> yeah, Beverly. Okay, anyway, so... Where did we last leave off? Uh, so we just left off with an epic dance number where Roland <laughs> excited the crowd with the Come Kamala dance that uh, left him in a trance and he fell asleep in his pants. <laughs> it's going to be one of those kinds of nights, isn't it, DJ? <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, let's get into this chapter. What's going on? Okay. So, uh, we wake up in the morning. Um, basically, we get this kind of like Roland nightmare dream situation where we, we just get some flashes of like the Horn of Eld, the battle that left his friends dead. Um, and sort of just a, almost like a dessert topping that Stephen King has been giving us of these little hints and clues about the backstory of, of Roland's main battle that we will eventually get some more information on um he wakes up to the the regular pains of his body which turns out aren't just regular pains um roland heads down to breakfast uh meets up with the dude ranch owner i kind of like you remember the uh, hey dude no <laughs> no you ever watch hey dude <laughs> I've never even heard of it. What is Hey Dude? Oh, Hey Dude was like a, um, it was the first, uh, like, down on a Mexico ranch, um, like, teenager drama show. And it was like on Nickelodeon in the 19, early 1990s. Um, Right. Okay. That explains why I don't know. Because I grew up, I, I was, I don't know, like. I lit, I was sort of a the kid in a bubble, right? Because I did not have cable growing up. I only got glimpses of cable at friends' houses. So like, oh, same. there's like yeah, well, so there's all of these things that people remember, like the slime shows and stuff that are are of my generation, but I never saw any of them. So people, when people talk about them, I'm like, yep, smile and nod. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they had a lounge with a, a TV in it at the school that had some basic stuff on it. Um, and then, yeah, you'd go over to friends' houses and watch it. Hey, dude, was all the rage. You had to know about it because all of the horse girls were really into Hey, dude. Oh, got it. <laughs> got it. Oh, <laughs> uh, anyway. So, um, uh, never mind on that Hey, dude reference. Uh, <laughs> um, so he walks down to breakfast. Um, we get introduced to uh, sort of a maid slash secretary uh, type of lady that works at the house. And uh, Roland kind of um, already, like, sort of is feeling this pain of his body. And he tries to blame it on the night before. Um, talks with uh, the ranch owner. And he basically is like, you know, uh, um, well, not ranch owner. I guess call call him. And basically is like, hey, man, um, you need to get this taken care of. And so she pulls him into, like, a cupboard and, like, <laughs> 
immediately is like, I got some treatment for you. And we find out that apparently the treatment for uh, rheumatoid arthritis is, um, and I guess I should back up. I'm moving fast. You um, are so, moving fast. <laughs> hold on, hold on. So uh, what is the difference between the one that just happens during the winter and the one that happens permanently and like leaves parts of your body messed up? Okay. Okay, so I think what he's talking about is like, you know, when you get older and you you don't necessarily have arthritis, but the, you will be affected by the weather. Like you'll you'll feel weather in your knees. Like that's what he's trying to pass this off as rather than like actual progressive rheumatoid arthritis. Okay, okay. Because that's where I was. I think I, I got a little confused at first because she's like, yeah, this will treat you for now, but it won't work in the long term as this like builds up and I'm not really a hundred percent familiar with the effects of arthritis. Does that swell your joints and like make your, um, your arms and legs not function properly or is it just pain everywhere? I mean, it's, um, an inflammation. So it does actually make your joints bigger and, and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. so that helps me cause I, um, and I'm jumping around a little bit, but there's a moment where Roland describes, his what like could become of him and it's like right. they would have to like lash him to the horse mm -hmm. and he wouldn't be able to use his hands anymore mm -hmm. and like he'd probably need to end it but he wouldn't definitely end it and you're right. like okay that sounds a lot more brutal than like what i hear from people um who either say arthritis or like have you know joint pain. you'll hear people say like oh i have a little arthritis but there's also like a really extreme version of that where you have to like take a lot of medication to stop your immune system mm -hmm. for, like from preventing from like attacking those joints and making it really, really like when people have severe arthritis, it's really intense. It's yeah. really, it can, it's, it is, uh, you know, in, like incapacitating if, if you have severe arthritis and it's untreated, which presumably he would be untreated, right? They don't have any, you know. Uh, immunosuppressant medication he gets excited <laughs> about astin i don't think that they're gonna hook him up with some, <laughs> some okay. arthritis medicine so but that clears a lot up for me let me back up now yeah let's and... slow down a little because i got some stuff to say <laughs> so we also get a picture of the house in general painted and um you know you kind of get like a uh, almost a sims feel of like a heart coming out of a door when the couple shuts the door <laughs> mm -hmm, of mm -hmm. like uh, eddie and uh, uh Susanna, like hanging out in the room doing stuff what, that people can do behind a, a closed door. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, we know what they're up to. And then uh, we also get this, like, meet moment where uh, Roland meets, um, shoot, what was her name again? Uh, Rosalita. Rosalita, yeah, Rosita? where he meets Rosalita. And, like, when the Rosalita walks onto the scene, we get this, like, um she's 40 but she's a good looking 40 you know like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. up and down like she really knocks it out of the park her deep brown eyes and so on so i mean you kind of get like this feeling of a very sultry like assistant slash housekeeper to um to call which is, mm -hmm. is kind of like an interesting vibe um mm -hmm. and not what you would expect for a man of the cloth so to speak uh, now, with that said, I'm going to hand it over to you to backtrack yes. even more and pick up <laughs> yeah. all the stuff. I'm I going all the way back to the very beginning because I want to talk about Roland in bed. <laughs> 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 so, okay. Roland, like you said, Roland, we get another sort of moment where Roland is dreaming about Jericho Hill and about that battle where he, you know, where Cuthbert died, where Elaine 
and and Jamie Curry were gone are like gone, right? So mm-hmm. I guess that begs the question: Why now? What is it about this moment that keeps bringing that up in his subconscious that it's becoming a reoccurring nightmare? To me, this feels like foreshadowing. Is it because he's on the verge of going into a huge battle? Is it a foreshadowing of the end of his quartet? Like it's all very troubling. The so, other thing. Oh, go ahead. No, you. Okay, so this um this kind of bounces around a bit, but if you think about what is going on there and then what happens at the very end when Eddie reflects that same feeling back onto mm-hmm. Roland, um, mm-hmm. it's sort of a full circle, so to speak, from the beginning to the end of this chapter. Okay, when we get there, I want you to talk more about that because I All don't right. totally know what you mean, but I think that's very interesting. Uh, the other thing that keeps coming up is the Horn of Eld. We don't know why, we don't know what it is, but... This is the second or third time in this book that he's specifically name-checked this horn. So I'm guessing it's going to matter. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, as you said, we learned that Roland is a lot in a lot of pain. Not just your regular sort of aches and pains, but something that is incredibly painful. It's starting at his ankle, moving all the way up into his hip. Um, Flows out of his body in circles. Yes, right? And it's not just pain. He's actually, you know... It's a debilitating illness that is going to progress, right? Uh, He's essentially going to be disabled or incapacitated by this dry twist. And it's interesting because it's like fresh off this moment where he did the the rice dance, right? Mm -hmm. Where we – and everybody sees him on stage and has this moment of like realization of, wow, look at Roland. He's this man out of time. He's like a mythic person, you know? The best rice dance ever. Exactly. And then from that moment where we're having this reminder of Roland, this man out of time, to this other moment that is so, it's the polar opposite where we learn that he is actually fallible, that he is aging, that he, you know, is heading towards being unable to do the things that he's promising the town that he can do. And what it does is it adds this ticking clock to all the other ones that this is like a a larger ticking clock for the overarching thing, right? Like this whole thing is about getting to the tower and, you know, we knew we had to get there soon, but now there's this other secret clock that's ticking and that's his ability to even do it. Uh, Which I think adds a level of stakes as we go into this feeling of King really knowing where he's going in this. He's got the end game in mind and you can feel that one of the things he's putting in place is this clock of like, we don't know how much time Roland actually has in order to achieve it. He will do whatever he takes it takes to get there. He will humiliate himself. He will, even in his moments of greatest shame, nothing is going to stand between him and the tower, which, again, goes back to this idea of addiction. Um, but I think that that's really important because something that is reinforced throughout this entire chapter is the this kind of obsession and motivation that he has, and we see Eddie also has. Um, and then the last thing that happens in this section is that we he's laying in bed waiting to see the sunrise and he realizes that the sun is now raising in the wrong place. It's like too far south. And it's just like just like Roland, right? The world is winding down, the world is aging, the world is coming apart both metaphorically and now literally. Yeah, we are <laughs> when you say how like 
How far does how long does he have left? Well, we have two more books, folks. Two more books. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh Roland and Rosalita in the in seven minutes in heaven Brown in the closet. Brown <laughs> so okay, we find out, you know, Rosalita gets him to get like right away is like get them pants off, and he of course does. Uh and she sees his secret. So she's in on, she knows something now that his caught it doesn't. And like, as he's talking about like, yeah, I know I have to tell them, but I'm going to keep it from them as long as possible. All I could think was, did you learn nothing in Magus? Like I get, <laughs> and that paired with the fact that he's dreaming about the end of his content feels like, come on, buddy, like get it together. You got to You can't keep secrets. This is how your content almost fell apart before, but whatever. Um, and then, of course, there is the boner moment. <laughs> <laughs> Has Roland ever, ever had to work for some action? I feel like these broads just, like, throw themselves at him. Well, okay. So in this situation, it's a little different than previously. Like, Roland strolled in and was just like, hey, lady, before. But this time, like, he did, a like, a fancy dance. Was like, <laughs> is the rescuer of the kids. She's excited that he's going to, if he is who he says he is, he's going to save everybody. And then, like, she's like, take your clothes off. This isn't anything I've seen before or haven't seen before unless, you know, men from mages are different than than us. So, like, Roland's already naked. And then, like, when she mentions it, then he, like, presses his body against her. So it's, like, almost like she's like, ah, yeah, if this hot guy wants to rub up against me, that's fine. And then, and then we get the like kind of gross out part where when she's applying this like ointment, we find out that it's cat bile is the like yeah. secret ingredient that makes yeah. you feel better. Um, yeah. And Roland also like he feels it right away as a change. Um, it burns and then it starts to soothe. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment too where we get a call back to like um, you know Magus where he's like you know what if uh, um, oh, oh shoot now my name the name's dropping out of my head um what if court could have had this mm-hmm. as a treatment you know in um in the cold winter days when his joints bothered him the most and he had to stay inside by the fire um mm-hmm. and and that's like what kind of magic we're getting from this relief and then there's also sort of a muse where when Ro- they mentioned that it's a rock cat that comes out of the dark corners right. of the desert that yeah. Roland's like that could have been anything and starts like kind of meandering through the possibilities and that's sort of an interesting moment there because, like, that's showing how far the world has devolved that she knows, Rosalita knows, that this cat came from, like, a dark place that isn't really part of their world. Mm-hmm. And Roland is just like, oh, yeah, it could have come from this weird world or this weird world or this weird world. <laughs> and, like, it, that's where we're at in this in in this city is, like, they're kind of a bastion from the rest of all of this uh horrible nightmare stuff at, with the wolves like off in the distance like mm-hmm. sort of at the hinter borderlands of of destruction and despair mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah i don't love the cat vile <laughs> <laughs> so that also uh brings me back to the the point that roland asks callahan for a mass or a map mm-hmm. and callahan like immediately says Psh. You know, I can't draw like I've dabbled at some cartoons here and there, but like I couldn't get you outside my front door <laughs> with my drawing <laughs> skills. 
He's it's like, a good little character moment for him. It makes me really like Callahan. Yeah, it's definitely like it, it's him kind of like pointing out that he sucks at something, but like He's also like, being. I sure can't. Yeah. <laughs> and then like uh, turns out that there's a um, a set of twins that lives not too far by uh, far away that like are are gifted at art and many other things. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, they beckon like Rosalita to go get them and have them actually draw up this map for mm-hmm. Roland, which is also interesting because that like kind of hangs a little bit heavier on the fact that like, okay, here's a set of twins. If you guys fail, <laughs> they'll be singletons in no time. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, he doesn't really need the reinforcing like he says essentially, but yeah, it's a reminder for us in the audience of, of here are these beautiful, intelligent children. And if they don't intervene or if they fail, one of them will, will be ruined. Yeah, and I think the reason I was getting confused with the dry twist versus the rheumatist is, like, when I hear rheumatist, I think of uh, yeah. rheumatoid yeah. arthritis. Yeah, of course, yeah. And so then, like, <laughs> when they're like, no, this is something different, I'm like, well, wait, what? Right, right. I think this is, like, a really rapidly progressing kind of arthritis that doesn't ju- – that is not conditional but just your permanent state of being. And the last thing I, I want to mention before we move on or before I hand it over to you is um, <laughs> there's a cute moment after like Roland's like sort of pressed himself up against her where she's like, you know, girls get a little cold late at night. Maybe <laughs> she's got game. <laughs> you know, someone might be there to warm her up. And like Roland's like, someone might. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Are they going to get it on? I think they are. Uh, for, you know, it seems it seems somewhat likely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Roland deserves it, right? Plus, he's got to he's got to pay her back for giving him a jar of the uh, uh, you know cat bile. Yep, that is true, and that is a fair trade, right? <laughs> <laughs> so basically, they they come out of the pantry um, after their their uh, you know um, hand flirty moments, and mm-hmm. uh, and we've got Eddie and Susanna hanging out there um, immediately. Like Roland, like changes the subject with Callahan and is like, hey, I noticed there's some berries out out back. <laughs> and, like, it's kind of an abrupt, weird thing. And, like, Callahan's like, you saw those coming in? You got a good eye. And, like, Roland's like, you mind uh, putting Susanna to work, making us an egg or three? Yeah. And, like, that's a weird moment, too, because um, th- this feels like the first time where they're, like, women work, I guess, or, like, I think he just wants to keep her busy so he can get alone with with uh, Eddie. Yeah, it's just a strange moment where, like, you don't ever put cooking on just one person. Yeah. Uh, Because, like, in the past, you know, everybody's taken been very egalitarian. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this moment, like, no, we got to go pick some berries and uh, you you can go ahead and take care of breakfast for us. And so that's a a weird little bit there, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. Um. And so Colin's like, oh, yeah, go out here. No problem. And, like, they take off and head out to these these berries. And, like, there's a weird conversation about the berries looking a little bit, like, plasticky and, like, being a Christmas decoration. And Roland's like, nah, taste them. They eat them. They're, they're pretty good. And Roland's like, all right, let me lay it on you, man. And and yeah. this is where, like, like uh, he gets real. He basically, like, explains his feelings about uh, Susanna and... And Eddie's like, he's expecting Eddie to be pissed, right? And Eddie's like, no, I'm, I'm scared, man. I, 
I can't not have noticed some of these things too, you know, like yeah. as a dude, he's like, her boobs got bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like, and, and that like, like it, it's been dropped a couple of times. So it's yeah. Just like, yeah. Like, all right. All right, dudes, you're dudeing up here. Uh, good, good job <laughs> with the dude. And, um, and then like, you know, they kind of have a brief discussion about her period. Um, there's, there's talk of like, well, I caught her burying it, but like Roland's like, I knew as soon as I saw her eat, he doesn't go into detail, but mm-hmm. like, um, then like it comes out that, it, uh, you know, uh, the baby insider could grow at any pace. It's rejecting her blood, which is a, another bad sign and probably a sign that it's not Eddie's kid. Mm-hmm. Eddie has this kind of like enduring moment with Roland where when, Roland basically breaks this news to him. Roland is still kind of expecting like regular Eddie to like, you know, uh, sass off mm-hmm. and kind of be like pissy about the situation. But Eddie takes it in stride, understands Roland and is like, no man, you're our din. Like this is, this is the way it should be. You decide when it's important for me to know and when to tell me stuff. And like, Roland is so taken back by this change in almost stature and position that like he almost breaks that mold by reaching over and like patting him on the shoulder, um, Mm -hmm. but holds back. And so you can see now that like there's a bit of tenderness that is grown in Roland Mm -hmm. towards Mm -hmm. Eddie and this moment where Eddie like basically puts full faith in him in this explanation and like isn't mad at him but is just scared for the situation and even as that conversation progresses there's a moment where um eddie's like well why why did you make this decision and it's like well you know if we tell her and she flees into mia that could be a problem for what's coming coming mm-hmm. up and like eddie's like you know so you you basically did this because otherwise it would be inconvenient for you <laughs> Mm-hmm. But even in that moment, like he's not mad at Roland. He's understanding of how this is unfolded and is fearful for, for for Susanna, but also understands like that there aren't a lot of other options. And right in that same moment, you know, uh, Roland is also like, but we'll do whatever we can for Susanna. And then like in the back of his mind, he's like thinking about that time he let Jake fall. <laughs> To his yeah. death. And you're like, wait a minute, Stephen King. This is uh this is very frank. And um uh mm-hmm. you know, you're you're painting a very dire picture here where someone has again trusted you with their lives and you have uh um possibly led them off a cliff. Um yeah. so I bounced around a lot there. That's okay. I think it touches on a lot of the same themes. It's so. just it's such a weird and epic, but also like daunting conversation that they have Mm -hmm. um so i want to throw it back to you rachel and have you pick up all of the pieces that i left as breadcrumbs laying on the ground yeah i mean i think that one of the most important things you talked about here was the surprising amount of growth we see in eddie we've been talking a lot about changes in jake but it's clear that he's not the only one that's growing all of them are i mean maybe not susanna because all we ever hear about 
poor Susanna has terrible things. But, um, you know, Eddie takes the news in stride in a way that he never would have before, mm-hmm. you know. And what that shows is he's also growing up. He can control his emotions better. He's also willing to accept some of Roland's authority. He even calls him his den, even though, you know, he struggles a little bit because he's Eddie. But ultimately, he understands that role and that Roland has that. And like you said, there's a character moment there too, right? Where, where Roland is kind of struggling between these two roles that he plays in, in the quartet, which is like a friend and sort of like paternal character, Mm -hmm. but also the den, which is, has a little bit more significance as a leader and and requires him to be into that colder, more gunslingery kind of place. Um, but he still does show some compassion, even in just not telling Eddie all the most gruesome details about what he saw Mia doing. Yeah, he he does not explain the like eating of the frog, but he, he does say, like, I saw her eating and it wasn't good. Yeah. And, like, talking to strangers and like we don't get the full juxtaposition of the like, you know, supper and like my precious. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oof. And then when later he they talk about the reason for not telling Susanna what's going on, it's interesting because it's he asks Roland, but then he really kind of lays it out himself about all the reasons why they can't tell her, which is essentially mm-hmm. because it will affect her efficiency as a killer and make could potentially create new problems if this Mia character who exists solely as a mother were to take over. And I think in the past we would have seen Eddie like, I don't give a shit. I like that his top priority would always have been Susanna, but there's these two sort of contrasting moments that happen in these two sections. One of which is the, as upset as he is to learn that what's happening with Susanna, when he finds out that they're going to fight the wolves, he smiles despite himself. And Roland sees this as a positive thing because it's just proof of Eddie's nature as a gunslinger. Mm Mm-hmm. But here we see the flip side a little bit, right? Where now when he's telling Roland about this, he has this sort of cool calculating mind. But more importantly, he basically says, you know, the one thing that's worth risking Susanna for is the rose. So the he's also kind of caught this tower madness where he would sacrifice someone in order to reach the rose mm-hmm. in the same way that Roland is saying with his mouth, of course, I'll do anything to save her. I promise. He knows in his darkest, deepest nature that he would he sacrificed Jake before. And there's a very good chance that he would do it again if it meant getting to the tower. And Eddie doesn't so much say that. But essentially what you can take away from him is that he too has that. You know, like that's also a part of what his becoming a gunslinger has meant. That he caught this tower madness. Um yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's it's interesting. The other thing that really quickly that happens in this section is we get a, a quick rundown in case you forgot of all the ticking clocks, both in this timeline and oh, in yeah, New York. Yeah. And then he adds the third one now. He doesn't know about the one with Roland, but he adds a third one, which is that Susanna's pregnancy is totally unpredictable. It can happen bay. at any time. And it, this whole book, time and time again, is returning to this theme of time and time running out. And... I think that's the larger kind of underpinning of this entire story, especially later on when we find out more, you understand exactly why time running out is so present in this book. Yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. 
So uh, basically, after this revelation, um, they wander back over to the house. Uh, Rosalita has brought the two kids over, and Roland's kind of getting introduced with them. And then we have this sort of private moment with uh, Susanna and Eddie. And she's like, you know, kiss me and like grab me and take this moment. And like he kisses her and like she senses that something's wrong. And Mm -hmm. like he has to lie to her for what I he at least he thinks is the the first time um, and probably is the first time. And when he does that, like she asks what's wrong with him. And he he says, you know, well, besides the fact that we're all going to (laughs) die. And when you brought up the very beginning of this chapter, this is what I was leaning into to circle back around to. Mm, yes, please. Because we start with Roland, like, basically remembering the tragic end of his friends in this, like, battle. And then mm-hmm. we we circle all the way back around to Eddie being like, oh, nothing's wrong other than we're all going to die. <laughs> And then, right and got it got it like he makes a joke but you're like mm. yeah so it's like <laughs> Stephen king took a moment to basically like underline that yeah in a eddie joke and we already have learned that eddie has sort of gone out of his juvial phase and into this more serious like gunslinger phase yeah and so a joke like that might kind of land and would have landed well as a uh pre uh wolves of the Kala, um eddie but like mm-hmm. as he's so serious eddie, it's yeah. very serious and foreboding for what mm-hmm. is to come and makes it like that much scarier right yeah absolutely absolutely i mean this is a watershed moment right now he is intentionally lying to her face and the question is how does that work when people are psychically linked the way that they are they well, share kef right so she should know instinctually that he's lying to her it's unclear if she does. And I don't know if that's a situation where they're all being very good at like telling themselves what they want to believe and rejecting what they can see in front of their eyes. Or if this level of dishonesty compromises that connection that they have. Um, I think it's both actually. So when Eddie gets the revelation from Roland, Eddie like deep down already knew. Mm -hmm. He just was kind of trying to ignore it. Yeah. And Roland's, um you know health condition uh deep down i think everybody already knows but they're trying to ignore it like they're seeing him limp around in the mornings and stuff yep yep exactly Mm -hmm. and like that's not normal it's new and yeah it's something that as a well-trained gunslinger you shouldn't have had any issue seeing unless you didn't want to see it right and the group as a whole is like in they got to this point where like the cohesion is very very strong Mm -hmm. and so when they get to that point anything that could break it up they're kind of like shying away from yeah but i mean ironically that might actually be the thing that weakens this bond because i was thinking about this like they're they're they had come together in a way that was so bonded and so close at at Mm. the begin by the beginning of this book and now they are each of them chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, and creating these fit, like divisions within their quartet, which feels like a really bad idea and is reinforced in text when both Eddie says like he feels really bad about this and he thinks it's a bad idea. And then later Roland is like, we are two of us are keeping secrets. This is not a good way to start. This is going to be bad. It's like, yes, yes, that is correct. 
well, now this is a very bad idea. Are yeah. keeping secrets and like, right. what's Jake gonna do? You know, right? I mean, my sweet little Jake, he would never, right? Who knows? Who At knows? this point, who knows? Uh, the what was it? The path to hell is paved with good intentions. Yeah, and I think like that. that's a perfect example of what's happening here. Like Roland thinks he's doing the right thing. Eddie thinks he's doing the right thing. Um, because it's the expedient thing that they need to do in order to achieve the goal that they want, which is get through this so that they can keep going to the tower. Yep. But w- at what cost? At what cost? Yeah. And so we get through that scene. Um, r- we get kind of a cute moment where Roland like realizes how precious these children are. And then Callahan's like, all right, gather around, folks. I'm going to tell you a story. And like <laughs> we uh we hear a little bit more about Black Thirteen being yeah. in the building and that it's like sort of um it's so evil that like when he moved into the building he sort of felt the presence of of you know God or whatever, but this ball being in there has chased any semblance of it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which uh, you know, is pretty telling. And then you know, he basically just wants Roland and the gang to take it and get it out of there. Um, and and, uh, and then he's about to tell us, like, um, it, the story of, like, how he got too deep in the drink. And then mm-hmm. we cut to next chapter. Yep, yep, yep. I, the other thing that happens in here I think is important is that Susanna catches Roland rubbing his hip again. And he lies to her. Oh, yeah, yeah you're right. You know, so now both Roland and Eddie are lying to her face. And it's just like, again, the lack of communication and honesty between them is going to take, like, could take them down. I don't know if it is. It could take them down. And it's very frustrating. This is, I love anything that adds like a ticking clock or adds tension is great, except this. (laughs) This is like one of my pet peeves. I don't like that when people are just lying to each other and withholding information to like you know, stakes building. I don't know. Crazy. This is complete non sequitur, but I always hated the format of 24 that everybody loved. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Yeah. Where it's like, well, this is happening in time. This is happening in time. This is happening in time. It's like, <laughs> uh. but what about when this Jack's daughter almost got eaten by a mountain lion? Yeah. I just stopped watching it. Like the first <laughs> two seasons were too much for me. I, I couldn't handle yeah. it. Anymore. It got real, real dark later. I don't know if you, you said you stopped watching it. There was like one season where, there was like a dirty bomb and they just like they gas like a whole bank full of people. It was grim. Ooh, ooh. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was quite a show. Anyway, all right. So, overall, what did you think of this chapter? Uh, it's pretty good. Um it's fairly short and quick and we're still not quite to the meat and potatoes that we really want to know about, which is Callahan's backstory. Yeah. Um, and I might have to go read uh, you know, Salem's Lot. <laughs> prior to this next section just so i know what the f is going on Eh, just watch the movie Uh, yeah um i don't know but i assume it's going to be fairly epic and um i don't know if you've already checked ahead but we might end up having to break that up into oh we're definitely going to be breaking that up it is long he's he's got a story to tell um yeah overall though pretty good um a good you know palate cleanser after the uh dance of sex and then (laughs) (laughs) now it's the closet of sex yeah now it's the closet of sex but no shame you do you guys you do you and uh yeah, we've that's... all done a little make out in a closet before, right? 
I mean, no? we just had Ooh. couches in a trailer, so I. You, you know, never we're... played Seven Minutes in Heaven? No, sorry. Did you play Spin the Bottle? Uh, yeah, sort of. It was more like you take a drink. Okay. Uh, what about Truth or Dare? Did you ever play Truth or Dare? Oh yeah, a uh, number of times. Um, I've run around naked in public before. <laughs> I like that that's immediately where we went with it. <laughs> but you're a freaking exhibitionist. That does not surprise me. And I'd be more surprised if you didn't run around naked. <laughs> uh, as a long-distance runner, um, one of the more common stupid things that you do is, like, you'll get put up at some place before the competition in the morning. And uh-huh. it'll be, like, one thirty in the morning, and people will be partaking of their secret alcoholic beverages. Uh-huh, and uh, uh-huh. then the bet comes up to be, like, truth or dare it is track runners it's almost always dare <laughs> and like they're too busy running to really have a much interesting truth to share um <laughs> and so like inevitably like it's like all right i dare you to run around this place naked and then like they would compound the rules so like one person would have a couple other dares that were tied to his and like well if i have to do it then you have to do it too and then pretty soon it's like five people running a lap around four city blocks naked oh my god i'm glad none of you guys got arrested i know thank thank goodness that was the 90s when uh, this was not danger but rachel what do you think about this chapter i of course love any chapter where we get to get in someone's head and one of the trickiest people to like the one of the most opaque characters is roland you know and so to see his vulnerability in this section and to see his growth and eddie's growth was really interesting I would like to get in Susanna's head, please. That would be next. Um, so, yeah, I enjoyed it. It it had some frustrating aspects to it. Like I said, I don't like the keeping secrets as tension. But, you know, I do think it was a great chapter. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing Callahan's story. Because I read Salem's Lot a billion to years ago. I mean, a billion to years ago. And I've seen the movie and I generally remember what the deal was. But um, it's been a really, really long time, so I'm excited. It'll feel very fresh, I suspect. Something, something, vampires, something, something, priest, something, faith, yeah. something, yeah. something, vampire dead. Yeah, that's all that's, I remember. That's pretty much the gist, I think. All right, so for those of you who are going to be playing along with us for the next episode, like DJ said, it's very long, so we're going to break it into two parts. We're going to be covering... Uh, part two, Telling Lies, Chapter Three, The Priest Tale, Parentheses, New York, Sections One through Nine. So read those, come back in two weeks, and we will be talking about them section by section. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I don't have any Stephen King uh, universe connections this time. However, I'm guessing we're going to have a lot next time. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, there's no real Dark Tower related Stephen King news, but we will be talking about some Stephen King news in the extended episode. If you're a Patreon, you'll get to hear us talk about that. Um, and we don't have a listener question this time. All right. So. Again, if I want to get people to weigh in on that, like, how do you feel about not having a listener question? Do you miss it? Do you want it? Do you want one every episode? Do you want one that comes up naturally? Like, this is all about you. So let me know what you guys want. You can let us know on the Facebook page or you can come over or you can actually send me an email at castofcaughtzombiegirls.com where you, you can chat with us there. You can chat with us on Facebook or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Podcasts plural where you can slide into the dms however you want to get in touch just let me know 
you're looking for something spooky to watch tonight because you love horror movies as much as I do, check out our video on demand and streaming calendar at thezombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com, where we keep track of all the spooky doings that are happening on streaming and on uh, VOD. And if you want to floss out with some new merch, guess what? We've got some cool stuff. Check out our merch at zombiegirls.com forward slash merch. Uh, I'm currently, no, I'm not wearing one of our shirts. I'm not going to lie. I was going to lie and say I'm wearing it, but I'm actually wearing my um, my Fangoria shirt that they did for Pride Month in um, trans flag colors because represent the people. Okay. Um, and then if you love us and want to support us, there's a couple of great ways. You can leave us a review or rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you get your pods. It's really really great way to let people know we're around and it does matter so we'd really appreciate it or if you want to throw some monies our way and get all kinds of cool cool perks you can support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls where you get extended episodes you get to join the discord you get bonus episodes you got some really fun stuff coming dj we just recorded uh last month's bonus episode where we learned a lot of things about the people on these shows (laughs) (laughs) ariel was like just drunk enough to tell some really good stories and the next day be like no (laughs) (laughs) so you don't want to miss out on that all right aside from that dj where else can people find you on the internet um you can swing over to whatever we're calling the deadliner podcast outpost (laughs) unknown outpost (laughs) unknown um you can stop by a bar in portland every tuesday and watch me play live um from seven to close what's Uh, the name of the bar oh it's uh doomsday bar um yeah and there's four of them so don't if you get to the wrong one too bad sorry so sad um (laughs) and then uh yeah otherwise um i'm working on some building projects and nothing exciting on the internet other than this and that so rachel what about you where can people find you well you can find me on all uh yeah all the podcasts on the zombie girls podcast network i'm trying to think what we did recently um Ooh, I should be better at this by now, but I'm not. Just check them out. They're all great. Um, I also was recently on an episode of Dad's From the Crypt podcast where we reviewed the episode Beauty Rest, which was a ton of fun. You should definitely be following along with them. They are great. And that episode is, I mean, we laughed a lot. I also gave some spooky mu- uh, makeup tips from history. And uh, yeah, it was really, really great. The other thing is this week I will be on Trick or Treat Radio. We're going to be reviewing everything, every everything, everywhere, all at once. Did I say that right? Yeah, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once. Yes, which I have not seen yet. So I'm waiting till closer to when we record, but I've been dying to see it since it first came out. Like it was one of the few things that was not shown to reviewers remotely from South by Southwest. So I've been waiting since then to watch it. So I'm, I'm very excited and uh, you should be following them. You can wa- actually listen and watch the show live when we record it. Just head over to Trick or Treat Radio um, on Thursday night at, uh, I want to say 8 p.m. Pacific. But all that information's on their website. So check out Trick or Treat Radio. And that are those are the places you can find me currently on the internet. And of course, Outpost Unknown, which is a YouTube channel, which I don't know if we said, uh, where we have a <laughs> weekly show called IOU where we talk about whatever the hell we want to talk about. And then there's a bunch of other sort of like side shows in addition to that where we talk about all kinds of cool stuff. All right. That is it for us, unless you're sticking around for the extended episode. DJ. 
say something weird to take us out. <laughs> um, if I haven't put enough uh, uh, visual images in your head today, remember, dry twist, folks. Dry twist. Good night. <laughs> so upsetting. Good night. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And to my co-host, DJ, for making me laugh and for indulging all of my tinfoil hat conspiracies. Production on this episode was done by yours truly. Our theme song for the show was created by DJ. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the extended episode where all the cool people are, right? DJ, I'm here. You're here. I mean, I don't know if I count myself in the cool circle, but I'm definitely here. Oh, you're in. We took all the cool people got together last week and we took a vote. Whatever. I mean, it was tight. I'm not going to lie. It was a tight vote. Mm, But mm. but there was I was the tiebreaker. You're in. (laughs) You're cool. (laughs) I don't know. I heard he runs around naked. That's it. That's that's, that's the last straw. Uh, oops, sorry. Uh, forgot to note something extended. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know where. <laughs> okay. It's, gonna, it's also going to be one of those days for me, I guess. Okay. So I thought for this extended episode, I know we've done headlines, we've done all kinds of different things. I, I, I thought this time we would do like just Stephen King related headlines because you know, dude stays busy. He's like very prolific. He likes to tweet. You know, people like to write about his stuff. So there's usually, even though they're not Dark Tower headlines, I get like Google alerts and there's Google alerts every single day for Stephen King. Oh, yeah. There was some goofy picture of him from like the 70s where it's like high school janitor becomes full time writer. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. Like when Carrie first got um, published when he was still like on the college newspaper right yep, is that what yep. talking about? i think yep. that was the one and he's just like yep. making a goofy face and looks like a vagabond. yeah <laughs> yeah yeah he's so interesting like he's so nerdy but also like i feel like i mean obviously we knew how to par- he knew how to party back in the day but i feel like he'd actually be fun to hang out with don't you even though he's like 70 i mean he's not coked out anymore so it's probably fine yeah i mean i don't i mean i don't especially enjoy coke energy so i prefer now i think but he just seems like he would be a hoot i I think i the way i imagine stephen king being is that like he's a great guy to chat up as long as you're not crossing some line that he holds very dear to him about any one subject and as soon as that happens like he will turn on you and slit your throat and toss you in an alley Oh, God, I wasn't going to go that far. I just thought you meant he'd like... With words, Rachel, with words. Okay, I'm like, Jesus. Not physically. (laughs) All right. He doesn't have the strength for that. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he has like the strength of his convictions. (laughs) I (laughs) All right. Anywho. Okay, so Stephen King, like I said, when we started this prolific writer i don't know if you know this about stephen king he writes a lot of freaking books 